Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. The Where to Hunt Where podcast. To hunt yes, yes, it's, yes. It's, okay. It's, it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Nah, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Kiss your mother with those lips before you touch that glass, <laughs> did you? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. I said the wrong emphasis on the, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, aka the OKS podcast in the Midwest, coming to you from the OKS Hunter podcast studio. Boom. Nice save. Yeah, it's uh, June 30th, end of June, very confusing. We, we just did our giveaway. We did. We had six winners. We went quick. We were scrambling. Yeah. So next time we won't be doodling on paper, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure that out. Uh, in fact, one of them just popped on. Matt Galbrecht, you won. Uh, you won, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong, but I think you won three months of Backwoods Grind Coffee. Negative. Nope, I'm you wrong. You won the Vector Custom Shop arrows. You won, half a dozen. You won See, half a there's dozen. There's a reason Vector I wrote that stuff down. <laughs> I have it all kept in the hat. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Which is over there somewhere. Yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. We're going to do some sponsorship call-outs real quick. Greg and I are going to chew the fat, and then we'll bring on our guest, uh, Jacob Emery, who's sitting on mute, so hang in there with us, Jacob. But I did this fun thing. Here, Greg, watch this. You want to, let's talk about Backwoods Grind Coffee. Whether you're at work, in a tree stand, or simply waking up, it's important to be alert, and there's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee. Ground fresh for every order, delivered straight to your door. Backwoods Grind Coffee. All right, look at that. There was a man in our microphone. You hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want 10% off a of backwards grind? You can enter in code W2H podcast. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. We have a gum leaf one coming too. Well, that's nice. So we'll have, to, we'll have to stop flapping our gums about it. But just until that happens, please go over to, well, first of all, go to backwardsgrind.com, buy some of their coffee, support them. And uh, also head on over to gumleafusa.com. Look at their boots, they're great. Talk about it every week. So if you're new to this show, they're 80% natural rubber, uh, vibram soles, super comfy, taller, durable. And if you want 10% off, you can enter in code W2H2020 and uh, it'll save you some cash. It's nice to save some cash. Damn right. And then we've got our Vector other sponsor, custom Vector Custom Shop. Shop. So if you're looking for a custom nice built, hey, thanks. Here it is. The Vector Custom Shop hat. Yeah. It's custom just for me. Just like their arrows. If you're looking for a custom set of arrows built to your specs, weighted up front the way you like it, within reason, go to VectorCustomShop.com, 
Uh, you want to buy a set of arrows, you can select from a two-pack, a test pack, you know, pick whatever spine and weight you want to test out and order them up and they'll come to your door and you can go down into your basement like I do or in the backyard and fling away and see what works best for you. Um, when you figure out what you want, you can order a half dozen or a dozen and when you do, uh, enter discount code the word were. <laughs> oh my. I like that. Yeah. Word where number two hunt. So where to hunt will give you 10% off any vector custom shop arrows. That's good stuff. Let's see, jack that up too. Yeah. We'll have to get a shot of the week too. And so, uh, for those that don't know, we run a segment in the middle of the show called shot of the week that's post produced in. However, if you have a, a shot of the week that you want to share with us, you can message us and we can just jump on a call and record it. Or, uh, if you follow the link in our bio to our podcast, you can just record a message from your phone right to anchor and uh, we'll just plop that in there. If you got a great story about a shot of the, a, sh- a shot at a deer, we'll put it in our shot of the week, which is brought to you by vector. So that covers all of that. Do we get everybody? I think so. Ooh, it is hot in here, man. Oof. It's all that testosterone. <laughs> it's all that scotch. Hey, uh, we got Jacob Emery on the line with us. Jacob, thanks for hanging out. How we doing, Jacob? Doing wonderful. A little wet here in Kentucky, that's for sure. Yeah, we went through that yesterday. Get our sloppy seconds with the weather. Yeah, sort <laughs> of. Maybe. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've actually had uh, at my grandparents nine inches of rain dropped in the last uh, forty-eight hours or so. Oh, and I think we're only at about. I might be wrong, but here in our area, I think we might be about five or six inches so far for the whole month. So. Oh yeah, there's there's flash flooding everywhere right now it's pretty bad jeez well sorry to make too light of it there yikes oh yeah god i'm such a jackass (laughs) well you're good at it (laughs) oh god so okay you're in kentucky where correct the bourbon runs uh really nicely better than the words that are flying in my mouth right now um i was there for the ata (laughs) back in 2017 it's a cool place Okay, yeah, cool. I was there too, I believe. Good stuff, man. Well, okay, let's dive in. Why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are. We know you're from Kentucky, but are you public land, private land? What do you like to hunt? What do you like to use? That kind of stuff. All right. Well, I am uh, obviously Jake Memory. I am 29 years old. Um, I like a good mix of it all. Um, I recently, in the last six, seven years, really started taking up uh, some of the public land adventures and with good reason. And I also have a hundred acres that's pretty much family oriented that I'm able to hunt and, or, and manage and, you know, do the, <clears throat> the management work like food plots and, you know, just run minerals all year long. And, you know, basically uh, about a hundredth of what the Lukowskis have. Right. But you get to eat, sleep, and breathe, and, and put in the sweat equity to to try and make something happen, and, or just make the property that much better for the whitetail that are there. Oh yeah, that's a lot of work, man. That's pretty cool. You do you follow the the Mark Kenyon yeah. and Meat Eater Back Forty stuff? Um, I don't think I do, man. Honestly, um, I no, I've heard of them, um, but um, I don't follow too many people currently um keep up with you guys and the uh southern outdoorsman boys and um i don't know 
That makes us pretty important. Idea. If I mean, that's the first person I ever heard that follows us and not those guys. So I think we'll we'll take that as a win. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad we're going to let you keep yeah. talking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, okay, lots of public land and then private land too. What makes you pretty dynamic. That's great that you kind of uh, straddle both worlds there. I mean, it really is two different dynamics and each have their own challenges. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're primarily a bow guy? Um, well, I'm mainly a bow because it gives more opportunities, you know what I mean? Um, but I am not scared to pick up a rifle. Uh, it doesn't bother me a bit. Uh, ten, you know, nine, ten years ago, something like that, it, it seemed like the world was just like anti-gun hunters. And like, if you weren't a bow hunter, you were just a, uh, you just shot everything, blah, blah. And I was one of them. And I, I kind of frowned upon the way I was back in the day, especially some of my friends. And now I'm just kind of one of those people that enjoy hunting and I want everybody to enjoy hunting however they want to enjoy hunting. So, uh, gun, bow, muzzleloader, uh, if I could spear hunt in Kentucky, I would. So it don't make no difference to me. That's great. It is. You do get more opportunities and each, each has its own flavor and dynamic, right? Camaraderie for gun hunting is probably what I love most. And the ethics of it, right? You actually get more successful odds at an ethical kill with a gun than a bow, but to each his own. So I guess the topic at hand, um, we're talking about a little bit more around public land access. Um, You know, we've, we've talked a little bit in the past, Greg and I have some other guests about like, you know, trying to use water or or get through some water or cross some water to separate yourself. Um, Where do you start when you, consider like access are you looking at topo maps are you looking at google earth are you doing that digital e-scouting stuff and kind of trying to figure out like you know where the buck bedding where the eating where they traversing where the other hunter is going to be how how do you break down your process uh well i spend a lot of time on onyx and hunt stand and um when i really get to like in an area um it, it seems like lately i've started to single out these properties that have a lot of water on them or maybe like well, maybe not marshy kind of like what you guys have up there that you know like dan messes with non-stop um more of like creek bottoms and sloughs and stuff like that i started singling those out because uh nine out of ten people if you put an inch of water in between them and you know where some deer are they ain't gonna mess with it um so i really started being drawn to those areas um and as far as uh, just kind of picking them, I, I just like a, a track of land. Um, it doesn't have to be huge. Um, I, most of the things, most of the places that I hunt are probably 500 acres or less. Uh, a few places that I hunt are bigger than that, but um, just like enough land to hold a big deer or, or a few. And uh, I like very few access points. Um, and uh, Maybe some of those access points um, aren't even like to where you can't even walk in. You've got to you got to put on some waders, or you got to jump in a boat or a kayak, and and really put in some work to get you know to where those deer feel safe. Hundred percent agree. I'm just thinking here because I've done waders now. I've done uh, I did the canoe uh, two years ago or last year. Mine up kayaks because the canoe is a two man operation. Um, although it probably could be a one man operation if I wasn't such a sissy. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess 
But it, it, it did create a bit of, I mean, you can be silent with it or you could totally be a dipshit and like clunk the side of the boat with the oar a hundred times um, or drop oh, something. Yeah. So when you're going in through water, uh, we'll just talk about a boat and then we'll switch to like waders and boots and, and all that stuff. But are you using a kayak or a canoe? And then uh, how are you like having a stealthy approach to the property you're trying to get to? And what's like the, uh, the timing? Like you're going out, are you going down a river at dark? you know, at three in the morning or, you know, what does that look like for you? Um, well, until two years ago, my dad had a, uh, 12 foot canoe and it was just about the perfect size to where I can maneuver it myself. And I honestly liked it better than the kayak I'm running now because you could easily set your gear in it and, you know, take a deer out in one piece if you needed. Uh, but now I'm running an eight foot, uh, old town kayak and it is not ideal at all um it's not one of the open surfaces one uh you've got to get down in the hole and uh if you you have the opportunity to mess up pretty bad every now and then if you uh if you tip it over because if you get water in that thing uh it's tough to get it back out but um no um everything that i do is based off like uh, an oar and i don't mess with a lot of rough water at all um, mainly because I don't have a way to mount like a troll motor, nothing to mine. Um, so yeah, if I'm going in, you know, somewhere, uh, half a mile paddle, I'm, I'm having to get there pretty dang early. That way I'm not, you know, rowing at Olympic speed and making a ton of noise, um, and allowing myself plenty of time to get where I'm going, um, safely and quietly and without breaking, you know, a huge sweat. Yeah, that's all very important. Get in quietly, and uh, not breaking a sweat can be pretty difficult when you're paddling. Like, like you said, you're you're looking for water that's not moving a whole lot, so you don't have to fight a current that's less chance of you sweating. Yeah, and with exactly. the, with the sit-in kayak, yeah, you're water. you're definitely oh, like right. I was say with a sit-in kayak. My God, the teetering of getting in and out of those things, depending on your put-in spot, what that looks like. I, dude, I would be the dipshit dumping over every time. And I'm like, well, this hunts. Well, you know, I'm drenched. I made a bunch of noise. <laughs> you know, just I could just see myself really crapping the bed on that. Oh yeah, I um, I try to find a nice little flat spot to put my stuff in. If it ain't off the side of the road or a nice easy little uh, boat ramp or something. Um, unfortunately, the other week I was pulling some cards on some cameras, and uh, I had to pull it out of the creek and drag it about a hundred yards and put it back in the creek, and. Um, I did it successfully the first time going in and on the way out, um, when I put it back down in the creek, I stuck one foot down in there. And when I lifted my left foot off to get in back, back in the kayak, I tipped it over just enough to where the water sucked in there. And I went underwater, the kayak went underwater and I had to literally walk in like chest deep water, dragging this thing underwater until I got to like a sandbar and pulled it up on it and dumped the water out of it and had a miserable row all the way back to the truck. Hmm. Holy crap. That's so, all the fun parts of, of doing this stuff, though. I mean, some of the places I put my trail cameras to, it's it's not conducive to, you know, just walking in a pair of tennis shoes or a pair of hiking boots. you you got to wear some body rubber in order to get in there. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a big difference, though. You know, and it's it's funny. The, the one time I did use a canoe, I, I went to a spot that was, you know, perceivably desolate a little bit more so, at least separate me from, like, you know, a bunch of other guys and gals and, 
the exact spot I wanted to, to beach the canoe. There was another canoe there when I got there. I was like, wow, what the heck? You know, I thought I was so ninja. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is it. This yeah. is the spot. Um, Turned out everybody decided to take their canoe that day. Yeah, apparently. Another guy was on a John boat further up the river. I mean, like, so we're not the only ones with that idea. But look, th- even the guys with that idea, like, you, you are taking it to another level, though. You are one of much fewer at that point. So are you running into anybody else that's doing that kind of stuff? I know the Southern, the Southern ground guys, they're real big into the, into the water access and kayaking. Um, it shows in their content too, which is great. So it's, I know you mentioned you listen to them too. Oh yeah. Parker is actually the reason that I started um, messing with the kayak to even get into places. Uh, it started a couple of years ago. Uh, I seen you know, him hauling out deer and I was like, man, you know, Public hunt, land hunting can be like adventurous in itself, but when you add in like a water element, whatever it is, it just adds a little bit more fun and challenge to it. So that's what really drew me into doing it, honestly. Um, that's pretty yeah, cool. Parker and uh, the Southern Ground guys, are, uh, he does a pretty good job. Of, and he has a lot nicer setup than I have. I need to really upgrade my uh, kayak for sure. The, the part that attracts me to it most, especially adventure, but the, the drag out, put it in a boat. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're going upstream on the way in, man, take a load off on the way back. I think that that's the best part. I think. Oh yeah. Plus it looks hardcore. I mean, really, let's be honest. Putting a freaking, yeah, you're putting a freaking deer on a <laughs> yeah. boat, whether it's a, a sitting kayak or inside of a canoe, man. It's freaking, there's something about it. That's pretty Wait, cool. All, all antlers look bigger in a boat, period. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everyone's like, whoa. Okay, so you're doing that. Now you you started with a canoe. Now you're using the kayak. Have you had any, like, success? How are you breaking down the water axis? Like, what, what are you looking for? <sighs> you know... I can't really say that I'm looking for something in general. It, it, it's more along the lines of like, if, if I've got a big piece of public and maybe just um, maybe a place with no, um, no way to put a, like a regular boat in. Um, I'm looking at somewhere that's going to put maybe me only paddling five to 600 yards to a, a nice looking destination versus somebody else walking in, you know, it might take them a mile or, or, or two and a half miles to get there through the public. Of course, you know, some of the private that butts up to it, you know, somebody might be able to walk in 300 yards and be right where, you know, I'm at. But I just, I like to find somewhere that's going to take somebody else working four times as hard to get to that I can get to, you know, in about 10 minutes of paddling. Yeah, it's a smart uh, choice. It that's, does, I mean, that's how I end up doing a it. A lot of it. That's me being good at interrupting. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, no, you're good. Um, most of the places I mess with, honestly, um, I'm not putting in at a boat ramp. I might be dragging this canoe um, 50, 60 yards off the, the public road somewhere that you really wouldn't even think to park just to get it in a ditch that leads to a creek and then, you know, either going up north or south or whatever direction down that creek to get where I want to go. Sure. Rough launches are always the best because not too many people are going to use them because they are a rough launch. It could be a raccoon path that takes you down to the water. You just follow that and yeah, pop it yeah. in. That's the nice part about a canoe or a kayak is you can pretty much. In one of the places anywhere. I'm from in Indiana, I actually ran into a guy that 
he traps beavers up and down this creek and um he actually ran into me the other day while i was putting my boat in to go uh put some new cell links on a couple of non-cellular cameras that i have and uh he asked me if you know what i was doing and i he said i told him i was you know checking trail cameras and this and that he said you're putting in this creek in the middle of the summer Hmm. yeah why he said dude you better be packing a pistol and ever since I've started packing a pistol, I've killed like seven water moccasins. Awesome. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like, maybe yeah. you're going to tell me there's a banjo playing somewhere. <laughs> Holy crap. No, no, I wouldn't be hunting there. <laughs> a little bit of deliverance. No, the, the water. Wow. What do you do with those when you kill them? Just that's it? Let them lie? Or do you do anything with them? The snakes? Yeah. Are you talking about the snakes? Yeah. Do you do anything with those when you kill them or what? Hell no, I ain't even picking them up. That's that's scary. Float to the bottom of the creek. Yeah, I don't know if those are really, they might be edible, but I don't know if you'd really want to waste your time on them. That's why I ask, you never know. Yeah. Some people like real hardcore about shit. Yeah. It's cool. (laughs) I'm not that hardcore. No. No, I don't think I'd want to mess with one of them either. Hell no. So you're putting, you said you just put some uh, sellings on trail cams that weren't outfitted for that to begin with. So now what are you, you went out and now you got some feed coming back to your phone for you? Do what? I'm sorry. I think you maybe cut in and out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. No, on the, on the, the trail cams. So you went out, um, what re, it sounds like pretty recently to put uh, sellings on some of the trail cams. Yeah. Um, a couple of my non-cellular cameras. I run a couple, I, I run all kinds of trail cameras. Um, I think somebody tagged me in a post the other day with the hunting grounds and I was with those guys for seven years. And, uh, of course, Spyfoot was one of our sponsors. So I have a lot of those cameras and, uh, recently discovered the $28 Tascos from Walmart. And those are my bread and butter. I have 17 of them now. And, um, yeah, started testing out those cell links, man. And, and the ability to change any camera out there into a cellular transmitting camera is, is just it's really neat so uh um, couple send places some, that are some links super hard that. to reach like that yeah tell uh, us more tell us more about this this is interesting percent. yeah that, that sounds really interesting i mean because otherwise you're paying well anywhere from we'll say mid 200s on up for for a cellular camera and put on public land it's a it's a it's a gamble yeah so the cell link sounds pretty interesting They're pretty cool. Rock on. So you're running 17 of those. You're canoeing out. Um, so water is a big thing. Have you, like, do you bring waders too then? Or are the, do you have, like, plots of land where maybe you're not bringing the canoe if you're traveling to, like, a different state and you're still looking for that water to separate you? Is that, that sounds like the primary goal here is to really look at access, find land that has limited access, or go for the spots that are limited in access. And really you're trying to, you know, separate yourself from the herd, so to speak, of other public land hunters. Okay, we're going to take a quick pause. And uh, before we get into some of the land access stuff, you know, if, you, if you're putting in all that time to identify good public uh, property and land that can produce results, uh, it's also equally important then when you're going to draw back that you have confidence in your shot. So let's go ahead and get into the shot of the week.
All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. We just gave away six of their arrows through our giveaway program, so that's super exciting. Congrats to the winner. If you haven't heard of Vector Shop by now listening to this show or just by being in the hunting world in general, there's a lot of people using them for a very good reason. Uh, They're actually based out of Wisconsin, so they're a local company here in the USA in our home state. We'd love to support them. Uh, Go check them out. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com. If you see anything you like or you want to try a test pack of arrows, you can enter in code where the number two, the word hunt and get 10% off. Look, these arrows are built custom to your specs. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, your draw length, your draw weight, uh, the type of animal you're hunting and the style of your hunting. All of these things are taken into consideration, including the broadheads you're shooting, etc. So uh, really great product, great group of guys doing a lot of hard work right now to deliver these things. So uh, please check those guys out and let's hear our shot of the week story. Hey, this is Casey Rash and I am bringing you the shot of the week because Eric asked me to. So real quick here, I was hunting uh, last October archery season here in Missouri. It was actually the first day I was able to get out and hunt. And uh, I was gonna walk into my neighbor's property where I had never hunted before, um, but I saw on Google Earth about a quarter mile from my house, it looked like a good bedding area uh, surrounded by timber and a a field adjacent to it. So I called my neighbor he said, yeah, sure, go for it. So I walked out there that afternoon and uh, had to change my plan on the fly because of the wind. So I I had to walk in on the downwind side and it was kind of a side wind really. And I got back there and identified the what I had seen on Google Earth was in fact a really nice bedding area, just tall brush in the timber. And uh, I worked my way around to the downwind side of it and sat there, stood there, thinking and watching and listening about uh, just trying to figure out what I was going to do for the evening set. I was I, I was about to just post up in the in the fence line and kind of watch a a pasture next to me and watch this bedding area where I had a shooting lane and. Um, as I'm standing there, I see a couple figures come through the woods and it was two does. And they come up under some oak trees at about 40 yards and they're just milling around. And I thought, man, if they move this way, then I might be able to get a shot. But in order for me to take that shot, I, I had to move a little bit. So with them still standing there feeding, uh, I had to cover about 20 feet or so. And so, uh, I did without spooking them at that distance with whitetails, you're almost sure to just run them off. But somehow I managed to make my move uh, without them being alarmed. And that was really awesome in and of itself. You know, you kind of have to wait until their heads are down and even when their heads are down, they're still watching. So you got to make your moves very calculated. But I finally got to where I could get a shot and I was looking for the hole through some through a cedar and I thought man if she walks this way and if she passes by that hole I can shoot through that hole and it was about the size of a paper plate Uh, I could thread an arrow through there and sure enough they start moving that direction and I thought crap she's actually gonna move right through there and I'm gonna get a shot and sure enough I put an arrow right through that hole right in her lungs and I was at uh a bit of an angle and she was moving. I didn't even try to stop her while she was moving. It was about a 31 yard shot. Uh, I'm pulling 70 pounds about, um, I can't remember for sure, about a 420 or 30 grain arrow, pretty heavy setup. 
Um, so when I hit her, I knew it was a good hit and she ran off and I listened and I heard her go down. So I, I waited just a few minutes and I went and found her a few minutes after that. But I took my buddy back there and showed him and, um, he said, you, sh you shot her through that hole. I said, yeah, dude, I was looking right through there. And before it all went down, I thought that's the only spot I'm going to be able to shoot through. And sure enough, she walked right through it. So, uh, and from the time I stepped off to the time I had her dressed and hanging in the tree in the backyard was about two hours. So, um, just an all around non textbook whitetail hunt, bow hunt from the ground, a really neat deal. So shot of the week. This is Casey rash. See y'all. Casey, you're the man. That is an epic shot of the week. Probably the more epic ones we've had yet. A lot of them have been me talking about my goof ups and stuff like that, or my buddy Tyler dropping his bow out of the tree and, and whatnot. But that's a great shot. Thank you for sharing that with us. Let's get back into our interview. Exactly. And, uh, no, a lot of times when I take a kayak with me, I have a trash bag in there in the back of the kayak that I have a set of hip waders with me, just some cheap frog tog hip waders that, um, I might be able to kayak so far and I uh, might need to throw those on, you know, to get a little bit further away. Or, um, I've even done a couple hunts to where that's the only thing I take with me. Like, cause like I said, I mean, you put just a little bit of water in between a human and, you know, kind of a remote place and they don't want to deal with it. And it don't bother me to walk up to, you know, up to my way past my knees to get somewhere. Um, if it means me being by myself and, you know, deer acting like deer are supposed to act when you get back in there. Right. Yeah. They're unpressured. They don't get a whole lot of human inter interaction. Hmm. That's something I didn't consider actually. Um, so our, I'll just pivot a little bit because, uh, I've been doing the tactic talks. I just did one tonight that'll air next week. And I did one last week with Zach Farrenbaugh with the hunting public. And we're talking about early season and how you can really pressure these deer a lot harder because they haven't been pressured yet. So you can go pretty aggressive and they haven't really, you know, they're still in that summer routine or they haven't seen a lot of hunters. However, based on what you're telling me, it sounds like you kind of have like a little pocket where if you get to this landmass that's separated by water and it's limited hunting or very little or none, and you're the only goofball going out there because you're hardcore and awesome, um, you can tap into not only separating yourself from other hunters, but in addition to that, you're getting access to unpressured deer. Yes, 100%. That's very interesting. What's your approach once you get there? Because it sounds like some of these spots are maybe new to you based on like, I'm going to go and I'll see if it's good. How are you um, determining if it's good or not? What are you looking for? Uh, well, obviously they're going to need to, even when they get to those remote places, they're going to look for the thickest, nastiest place to bed up. Um, a lot of times I found with water, um, they're not so concerned with the way that the wind's blowing more as where they can see uh, you coming from and hear you coming from because everybody knows I me mean, walking through water and quietly is almost impossible. Um, so really when, when you find that really just money spot, that's so remote and you know, just it's like virgin territory. Um, honest to God, I like going in super early, like this time of year, and I'm not afraid to go in in the rain um, just because I know what scent I leave behind is 
going to be washed away. Um, but one of the main tools that I use this time of year is taking a couple of cell cameras with me. And I always have one or two in my pack uh, when I'm scouting because I never know when I'm going to find something that just screams, you know, man, I wish I had a camera right now. Like, for instance, um, I kayaked about a mile and a half down this creek a couple of weeks ago. And looking on hunt stand versus Onyx, of course, if you guys use Onyx at all, you know, it just shows summer imagery. It's kind of tough to pick out what's what, especially in like uh, the slough looking area that, you know, I was in, but I was able to pull up hunt stand and it looked like a small island. And um, I was able to walk all the way out there in just regular uh, rubber boots to get to it because the water was down pretty bad that time. And um, I got to that island and I didn't bump anything off of it, but like it wasn't but maybe an acre size island full of red oaks and white oaks and there's just beds everywhere on it. <laughs> so I dropped a camera there and I get pictures every single day uh, of multiple different deer that are going in and out of that place. And I know that when I go back to hunt that place, I'm, I'm not going to be able to obviously get on that island but I'm going to get to the closest point that they're using to go from uh, maybe across that water or through that water to get on like a, the dike or, or uh, the next landmass and wait for them to come off that thing or catch them, you know, heading to it in the morning early, early, early. I love it. You know, one of my, one of my good buddies, uh, Joel, he, he'll just wait. There's like, there's a certain river in our area here. I'm not going to give anything away, but, um, it's Sandy bottom. He'll just wade up the river. So he even bring a canoe. He just walks up the river as slow as he can go. And, uh, in fact, based on the, the property type, uh, I've checked with the DNR in Wisconsin on this. If you're in the river, whether in a canoe, a non-motorized uh, boat or like standing, you can traverse land that you might not otherwise get access to. And there's a certain, um, what's it called? Uh, easement or what, or what have easement, you, right? That you can easement. actually shoot deer on, on land, right? If it's landlocked or you can get to the spot. So he's actually had uh, a shot at a pretty nice buck by just walking up a river. <laughs> like, And he's like, it's great. There's no scent. You know, I'm not making a lot of sound. It's actually pretty easy to traverse. I'm not busting through the thick stuff that's on the on the river side, right? River edges. Um, no one else is there. I'm like, man, you talk about you know water separating. He's literally using the water as as a means to hunt. Um, whereas I I abutted water and I was like, I can't cross this. So then I went back with a canoe the next season, thinking I was a wise guy. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I I bump a lot of deer. Um, bedded right up next to the water so i could definitely see that you know being beneficial maybe somewhere like where you guys are if you try walking down one of these creeks down here it's either walking like you're on concrete or you're walking in quicksand you'll go mm -hmm. up to your freaking crotch before you know it and you're stuck yep. yeah that freaks me out a little bit i'm not gonna lie because <laughs> you don't know you just don't yeah. know you suddenly you step <laughs> you're like oh god <laughs> you know and if you're trying to carry a bow yeah. over your head or something like that it's it just it's a challenge it's a big challenge That's cool. So you got waders. I like the idea of you bringing waders in your kayak, you know, in a, in a trash bag in the back. That's pretty smart. It's cheaper than a dry bag. Yeah, I, I definitely have to put them in the trash bag because one way or another, I'm getting water on the inside of that kayak. If yeah. it's the last thing I do, I will get water in it somehow, some way. <laughs> <laughs> 
It sounds like you might want to switch back to that canoe you're using. Yeah, I, I think I need to sell it and get a different one is what I need to do. That's not a bad idea. Uh, Levi uh, had responded in the comments. We were talking about that. He's like, you can get a canoe with a flat back and you can put a trolling motor on that thing. Yeah. Not a bad idea. They're nice and quiet. Get you upstream easily. Not working so hard. Not making as much oh. noise. Yep. Probably going off Facebook Marketplace for pretty cheap. Craigslist or whatever the heck people are doing these days. Yeah, I'm, I'm searching every single day for one. They'll come up. I mean, duck season's coming here soon. So once duck season hits, you're going to start seeing all sorts of fun stuff come up online for sale. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so what other states are you hunting other than Kentucky? Where, where else are you going? Uh, this year is going to be very up in the air as far as my early season hunt. Um, I have a baby due on September 3rd. And I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on when to not have, you know, sexual relations with your significant other, uh, but you need to time it where it does not end up, you know, during hunting season. Both but, my kids <laughs> she loves me. born in September. I, I hope she didn't hear me say that. She's in the other room. <laughs> but uh, I really, really, really am, was hoping to make the Tennessee early season velvet hunt again. Um, last year I had a heck of a time and, uh, saw three really nice deer and ended up shooting the smallest of all those deer because I was just ready to fill a tag as quickly as possible. So honestly, I'm hoping for Tennessee early season, um, and Kentucky comes in September 5th and I have a deer I am chasing on public or kind of public right now. Um, but I'm hoping to fill my tag on early and then. Uh, Indiana comes in uh, October 1st, and I don't know what the future holds after that, but I might try to make a trip down south um, to Alabama, maybe, to hunt with some of my buddies down there later in the year. And we have a uh, an Army base. You guys have probably heard of it, uh, Fort Knox. I think it's where all mm -hmm. the gold or whatever is in the U.S. I don't know what's actually in there. Who knows what's in there? But uh, they, they hunt have a couple quota hunts every year and uh i seem to get drawn for one of those every year so it's a bonus buck i probably hunt up there one or two weekends and it's pretty much my plans for this year uh i've normally the last couple of years i've been to colorado elk hunting and uh obviously with the baby due on september 3rd that ain't happening this year no sir is that your second is that your second no. kid you said you had a birthday you were celebrating tonight no, with your daughter right yeah, my little girl turned six today, um, and my fiance, um, she has a two-year-old boy, and she is, like I said, we're expecting another little boy, so technically I'll have three. Good for you, man. That's awesome. It's a, it, it makes it hard. We're, Greg and I are planning an elk hunt. I say planning loosely because we ain't done much uh, other than get some good information from our friends at Elk Bros, uh, Blue Collar Elk, but uh, we're looking – more than likely we'll probably land in Colorado for 2021 is what we're thinking. But we were thinking gun. And now after talking with elk bros, we're thinking maybe we shouldn't do gun. Yeah. It'd be, uh, He's like, no, you got to go during bone. Yeah, you yeah, got to go yeah. during September. Yeah. And you're screaming in your ear. So yeah, I, maybe we'll have to, we'll have to chat more about that offline too. It's a whole different topic and we don't, I don't even know how that, how to, how to start that one. But, um, you know, I'm fascinated with the water stuff. What else are you doing other than other than water to separate yourself? Or like, what other things do you look for to 
determine access. Like, you know, if I look at a property, there's one nearby, I know there's a parking lot and it's one of the only places you can really access the property because you can't park on the roads nearby. They're like super, you can barely like have two cars going opposite directions on the road as is. There's certainly no parking on There's a lot of bluffs and drop-offs and things like that. Um, yeah. But like a lot of, like I've done a couple of years where like we'll do the buddy system where someone will drop someone off in certain places. So then you're not hoofing it so far and you're still getting the access that you want. Um, I just wonder what, how, like how you're looking at a property to determine what access looks like for other people. Uh, I think that's a big thing in the scouting uh, property is first thing you've got to find out where everybody else is, you know, 90% of the access is coming from. And sometimes unless you do like what you said is dropping a buddy off, which is a great idea. Um, if there's only one spot to access, uh, a lot of times I'll grab my mountain bike and that's another thing that I'll use to kind of put some, you know, distance in between where me and a couple of the guys are, or where most of the guys are trying to get to. Um, but you can't rule out, you know, some of the overlooked spots too, that are really close. Um, I've had a little bit of success hunting within three or 400 yards within a parking lot. Um, because a lot of times that's where a big deer is going to bed to watch, you know, either you come in or, you know, listen for the gravel or, uh, see headlights coming in in the morning. Um, but I don't know. Um, like I said, places with less places to park seem to be better hunting in my opinion, because, uh, if you've got a, just a big square block, just say something like a hundred and just a 160 acres, which is a mile by mile. If you've got four places, um, you know, to access that, obviously the farthest you can get away from anywhere is dead in the middle. So most of the time that's where everybody and their brother's going to try to get to anyways. So you're looking at those four different squares in that area and maybe, you know, depending on the topo and the terrain features or any edges, um, those might be places that I look first on a property that small. I like that. Greg, where are you hunting this year? Do you know? You got spots? I mean, you've been putting trail cams out. Yeah, I've got spots. I'm not asking you to tell people where your spots are, but like, what is I'm the property like? <laughs> Let's just say there's plenty of wet in between places. I mean, you're like doing marsh bottoms, right? Yeah, it's, it's very much marsh. It's all just wet. It's either cattail or tag all or swamp or there's willow in it. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And yeah, there's a few high spots where there might be a few oaks in there, but for the most part, it's it's pretty nasty stuff. And I found some man sign back there. I mean, I found a an arrow from years past. The, the fletchings were all dry rotted off of it, but I found it this spring right after I found the shed, actually. Hmm. Um, and I found trail markers coming from the water, so I know someone's water accessing, accessing that spot. But I think they're hunting closer to the higher ground instead of picking maybe one of those other spots that probably might be it's definitely less comfortable to get into as a human but i think it'd probably put you closer to the x if uh if you decide to go hunt it i'm almost wishing i put a would have put a little more time into scouting that spot some more but i think i'm gonna roll the dice in season a little bit yeah i'm gonna roll the dice in season i'm gonna in season scout i'm gonna even try and get back there yet this year and brave all the flies and the and the mosquitoes so yeah, our next giveaway is going to have to be like a dozen thermocells, and I'm going to win. Yeah. 
going to look like Flava Flava with one of the lanterns <laughs> gonna around do, your neck. You want know, to talk about yeah, bling bling? It's going to be me wearing 10 freaking thermocells around my neck. I can't handle mosquitoes, man. You're kind of a girl. I, I just I just don't. I can't do it. It, it like... It does something to my frustration. Even if I'm not getting bit, if I just know they're there buzzing in my ear, I just can't handle it. If you want to see me get crabby, that's the one way to do it. We're totally putting oh, your yeah. ass in a canoe and we're going to row out there. Oh, <laughs> God. I get I get like... I only get that crabby when I'm overtired or overbugged by mosquitoes. And we're going to have it. to go Instagram it's a rare form. It's a rare form for me. Show, you, show your rare form. Yeah, yeah it's pretty rare. You don't have to put the sensors on for that one. I'd be swearing all, all up and down that thing. <laughs> Not good. It's not good. <laughs> so, but that's not. Like, It'd be entertaining. I'll deal with it, man. But it's rough. Early season's really hard. You know, you get so excited to go hunt. You're all jacked up. You've been waiting all damn year, and then you realize it's you know hotter than two two rats doing it in a wool sock. Mm-hmm. And then there's mosquitoes sucking every drop of blood out of you along the way. You're like, what am I doing here? Not to mention the well, grass. What's that grass that cuts you? And the added factor this year <laughs> is if you really want to mind screw yourself. They're COVID skeeters. They could be. We don't know. Oh, no. I can't do that right now. No, we're going to have to move along. (laughs) (laughs) COVID skeeto. Is that a thing? Like, this is is a fucked up game of Jumanji we're playing this year, man. (laughs) There's like a Dust Bowl coming to Minnesota in the Midwest from the Sahara Desert or something. Oh, my God. All right. We're way off topic. This is what happens, Jacob. Welcome, to, welcome to the rabbit holes. Rabbit holes are fine with me. They are yeah. welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, where we don't know what the hell we're doing. We just learned from <laughs> from guys like you that we just like, oh yeah, tell us all of your secrets and mistakes. All right, we're gonna do that this year. Get out the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be better off to listen to me and take every bit of advice that I throw out and do the opposite, and you'd probably have a lot better luck. Mm-hmm. This is why we're in the OKS OK Hunter Podcast Studio. There's a reason for this shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. podcast in the Midwest. You that's got right. it. Yeah, yeah. We just, uh, you know, everyone goofs up and makes silly mistakes. And, and that's kind of, it's like the blooper reel of hunting. If you could imagine all of that stuff. Everybody learns It's so fun. It, it's, it makes different types of memories. And, and you got to get past that stuff. But it's like, we've all been there. We've all learned everybody, what not to yeah. do. Everybody learns differently. And just so happens we learn the hard way. It's just yep. the way it is. Yep. Or the dumb way, whatever that means. It's the hard way. Mm-hmm. Me and my buddy Joel, I was just talking about him. We we decided to like go through one of the hardest swamps I think I've ever been through. I don't know what it's called. It was ridiculous. And we got pretty far apart from each other. And we're both in our own little world suffering together but apart. And we thought we were covering this ground to get to this island. And then we finally get to where we thought we were. And we had totally turned ourselves around and we were nowhere. We got to like to this other spot of land. We're like, wait, what? We've moved like 10 feet from where we started by doing a big circle. It was so disappointing. Yeah. So much work for zero reward. Zero reward. Well, I was like, well, we're not going to go there now. Like, we just burned like a thousand calories and wasted two hours of daylight getting ourselves stuck in a swamp. Um, so we thought we were badass and separating ourselves and we weren't. But that's kind of the idea, though, like to, to get away from other hunters. I like the concept, though, that we talked about where you're getting on to you know, some sort of virgin deer territory or virgin hunter territory. Yep. Yep. Those are becoming few and far between because let's be honest, um, with social media and, you know, things like what we're doing now, you know, 
it's great because it makes I think it makes everybody a better hunter. But uh, now you're putting the idea in everybody's head to let's let's get way back in there and let's try this or whatever. Uh, eventually, we're going to start running into everybody, you know, two three miles back in there, and the big bucks are going to be you know being killed twenty yards from the truck or something. Eventually, yeah, yeah, perhaps. That's where everybody yeah, perhaps I think there's a bit of a spectator sport, so I think I still think people like to consume more than they like to do. I think a lot of people would love the idea of doing some of the stuff, but they ain't never going to do it. Exactly. But people, that's just part of it, man. People are lazy. And I think that extra work and sweat, um, sometimes it doesn't pay off. I mean, you could do all these, you know, you could do all these things all year long and work your butt off. And you still might not, you know, might not feel that tag. And it's not like you didn't try. It's just part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell my wife that every year. Well, and I, I hunt with a group that we do, we do a lot of pushing of the public land around my area just at the end of gun season. Got enough guys that haven't filled tags, and we want to go out, and some of the guys want to get some get some deer meat. So that's what we do, and a lot of those pushes end up empty, you know, guys with full boots and complaining. I mean, we had two people defect from the group last year, <laughs> and I, my ears were ringing the entire time, you know. Someone's, someone was talking bad. Someone wasn't very happy with me. That was the jerk right. that put him in the bad place, you know. That was just so happened to be hip deep in water, and you're breaking, breaking ice to get through it. So it's not always yep. a ton of fun, but you know, you're making a memory. To me, that's what's fun about it. It's not yeah, a ton I mean, of fun, find, but that's what's I fun find about it. Fun. It's yeah. just sick and weird as that sounds. That's where the stories come from. To go pounding through the swamp, and and. I've we've had plenty of deer get right around us too. You hear them get up. You hear them go crash and splashing through right in between two guys. And we try to hunt safe, and nobody's pulling triggers at stuff. We always have a guy. We leave one guy behind at the back door, but deer can still get around one guy if he can't get elevated. And some of the cover we we push is pretty pretty intense cover. So it yeah yeah it's it's a very high risk to for little to no reward. So. A lot of sweat equity that may not, might not pay off. Yep. But you're definitely thinking smart about it, you know. Um, that's cool. I mean, it looks like you're doing some editing on some film work, and you shared some pictures of a nice bucket that you got. So I'm excited to see some of the content you're putting out to, to align with this conversation, honestly. I am actually typing the description for it on YouTube as we speak right cool. now. <laughs> trying, to, trying to peck the... the uh, keyboard very quietly. Nah, it's okay, I'm, I'm man. Not very rip. good at this, by the way. Uh, for years, with when I worked with the hunting grounds, and um, there's some great guys, um, really, really good guys. Uh, I just kind of, I don't know what it was this year with all the stuff that I had going on that maybe I'm not talking about, and um, I just kind of wanted to just hunt on my own and the way I wanted to hunt, and I didn't want to feel pressured to film my hunts. Uh, because I'm one of those guys that like, I, I love to film my hunts and I'm all about sharing everything that I do with everybody. Cause I think it's, it's just fun to do and it's something to look back on. Sure. But if it comes down, if it comes down to filling that tag or, you know, not, and just because I'm, I didn't get it on camera, I am, I'm filling that tag every single time. Uh, out of state tags are expensive and that's the bottom line. And I don't like going home empty handed. I'll go home with something, you know, that I'm happy with. I won't just shoot anything, but, you know, I'm not going to pass up something just because I couldn't get it on film. 
That's a pretty. Big I like deal. that, man. That's a that's a good that's a good uh, mantra, and good for you for doing what you feel like you need to do, especially with a kid on the way and and all that stuff, man. Like, there's a lot going that's a lot going on. Yeah, I felt like I just needed to kind of focus on family this year and um, change up the way I do things and just enjoy hunting. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. And you got private property that you can you can bounce back to and stuff and take care of and. Uh, you know, do whatever you got to do there also on top of everything else you're doing. Oh yeah. There's, there's, I don't think anything beats, you know, hunting a track of public, you know, maybe like a brand new one, especially just the challenge of it, but there's an art to managing and growing deer and giving them everything they need. And there's just something really, really cool about, you know, giving a deer everything he needs all year long and then just being able to put a tag on him. Um, some people don't like the idea of that, and uh, I like both sides of it, so it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it's cool. I dig it. We're definitely not, uh, I know we call ourselves the Public Land Hunting Enthusiast Podcast, but you know, we're not, that doesn't mean we're haters of private land. It's not, that's no, not I mean, it I, just last our focus. Year, I had a small 20-acre parcel that I was limited to, and there were some deer on there, and I passed up, a, I passed up just about every one of those deer. Um one good one on camera, but I don't think he was hanging around there much. But it was just fun to, to be out there and have the interaction with him and know that I didn't have to worry about anybody walking in on me. So that was that was kind of the, the saving grace. Now, I've had private land where I've had people walk in on me that shouldn't be there. So there's always challenges. It doesn't matter where you're at. Um, and then, two, the neighbor decided it was a, a good idea to break out his AR-15 and target practice one night and managed to see three deer. And then, <laughs> then he started banging away and those deer were gone. So there's always that too. It doesn't take a small piece. No, no, it doesn't take much, especially when the access is pretty that, limited. That's what drives me nuts is when people I say, Oh, you hunt private, you know, it must be nice. It's like, well, you take somebody that's hunting, a thousand acre track of public and then you give a guy you know 100 to 50 acres of of private and there's which more one do you think is going to be more right pressure? there's more opportunity. The yeah there's more opportunity on the public that's really the, the reason yeah. i do it is i look at it and go i've got you know x amount of acres to hunt around my house and then i've got a pile of acreage to the north of me too that well it's shared use i mean you there's hikers, there's people that go out and pheasant hunt. When pheasant season opens up up here, it sounds like World War Three. <laughs> duck season, you know, and a lot of that's wet, so the duck hunters are out there also. So you're sharing access with everybody. It's not just a deer hunting paradise. So I think early season is yeah. definitely your best bet. And then if you can get out during the week when nobody else is out there, that's also the time to hit it. Mm-hmm. Well, early season is my favorite time to hunt, hands down. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. You know, not ever shut up and deal with the mosquitoes. I think. Yeah, you will. It is what it is. But you know, uh, Jake, why don't you tell us about uh, if we planted the seed appropriately, your most memorable hunt? We'd love to hear about it. And uh, you know, if you've been following along with the podcast, you know, at some point we'll we'll put this into a nice produced piece for you. Yeah, sure. Um, one of my most memorable hunt. Well, one of them is you know the one where I took my daughter with me and she got to see me kill a deer. Um, but that wasn't too exciting. It was just something I'm going to remember forever, but <clears throat> probably one of my most memorable hunts was, uh, I had tagged my 2018 target buck, which is the hunt I'm editing right now or uploading. 
Um, and I just felt super good about it. I had a Tennessee tag in my pocket and I looked at a big track of land, uh, called land between the lakes. Uh, it goes into Tennessee, but it's, most of it is in Kentucky. Um, but the bigger portion is in Kentucky, but kind of spent all week long e-scouting, just hardcore, just trying to find like, man, I got like two or three days to make this happen. Uh, so I picked a place on the map, um, using a couple of layers and I don't really want to disclose those layers because right. a lot of people don't really use them down there. Um, but, um, I found a spot that I really liked, um, kind of a transition between, uh, two big ridges and I worked my way in. And at the time I was using a heavy, like summit climber. I had my backpack with my bow and all my filming equipment in it. So I was like right at 40 pounds walking in. I was like, Oh my God. This sucks. This is why I hate filming my hunt sometimes. But uh, I kind of worked my – I scouted my way back, and right when I got to that area, I started finding, like, great sign, like, real nice-looking rubs, scrape line, and I followed it. And I ended up running into somebody's camera that was on the tree, and I thought, you know what? Nobody's here. I don't see any, like, tree stand set up. I was like, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to climb up 25 yards from here. And I climbed up. And I sat all afternoon long. It was November 17th, I believe. And right at last light, I caught a glimpse of a buck walking through the timber. And I grunted at him. And God, like you see on freaking Realtree Productions, he just bristled up, pinned the mirrors back. And here he comes just stomping my way. And uh, I was shooting a 60-pound triax that year. And um, he stopped at 40, 42 or 43 yards. I remember pulling the, you know, Pulled a shot and I hit him a little far forward. It seemed like that arrow took just years to get there. Luminox was going through the, the dark timber and I'm like, come on. Um, but I hit him and I remember I was so jacked that, like, I didn't, I, like, my thought process was so screwed up when all this was happening. Because one, I couldn't believe this, that caliber of a deer was, you know, coming right to me. I hit him and I didn't get great penetration because I hit him in the front shoulder blade. Um, but I got down, went to my arrow, uh, checked it. I thought, you know what? I've been bow hunting for 18 years at that time. I said, I'm going to back out. I've never backed out on a deer before. And as I was walking out of the woods and I got halfway to my truck, I heard coyotes light up. And oh, wow. it just, I, uh, it, it, I didn't know what to do because one, I didn't have no sidearm on me. I was like, you know, I don't want to go back in there because I don't even know if this deer is like down yet or dead yet or anything. And my first thought was like, you know, what if they caught him and they're, they're going to finish him off and, you know, at least I'll have closure. But I went and stayed the night with a buddy that lived about 40 minutes away because it's about two hour drive from my house. Um, and went back in the next morning. Um, and I went about 30 yards, nothing. I was just following like where he had ran off and, I crossed a log, and as soon as I crossed the log, he started dumping blood. Just, oh, my God, I was I was sick. I was like, damn it, I'm going to find him. I guarantee you I don't find him the way I want to find him, but I'm, I'm going to find him. And I followed another 50 yards, and I started smelling wet dog. And sure enough, um, I looked over my left, and there was nothing left of him like his skeleton. Um, they ate every ounce of meat stomach matter, everything off that deer, all the way up to the base of his neck. Um, and it was the most sickening feeling of my life, uh, hunting life, so to speak. 
because I just literally killed the biggest deer of my hunting career. And, you know, I'm not going to get good pictures with him and all the meat went to waste, which is what really pisses me off. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, eventually it's going to happen. Um, I, I regret it, but then again, I don't regret it because I trusted my gut. I didn't think that deer was dead. Um, at least, you know, by the time I got down out of the tree, but he was, he was dead a hundred yards from where I stuck him oh, and yeah. Damn. I had to go to Kate for him, but he's on my wall upstairs and he ties my other buck, um, from Kentucky. That was, uh, they both scored like 153 and three eighths or something. One of them's a 10 point in full velvet. And then you got him at a, a seven by five. And those are my two best deer. Cool. Man, what a crazy story. But, I would have been pretty eerie about the coyote thing too. I'm, I don't know if I would have been brave enough to just go find them anyways. If they were howling like that, I just wolves a different story for me. Well, I think I would have been a little bit more fearful of coyotes. I don't know. I just, I'm not sure uh, what their nature is when they're onto something problem. like that. When there's you know, nine or 10 of them, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. I mean, there was, I mean, you could hear them everywhere back here, dude. I was like, there's gotta God. be at least 10 coyotes. <laughs> there ain't no way I'm going back here. That's crazy. Well, you fed them. <laughs> yeah, they ate well. Holy crap. Well, yeah, they did. That's for sure. My gosh. So are we going to be able to watch your YouTube video tonight then? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, I'm putting it up as we speak, and the hunt I just told you about is also on there. If you want to check that out, it's kind of a shorter, condensed version. All these hunts that I've got on here, but basically all of them you can watch on Mountain Grounds YouTube channel. I'm just uploading them and editing myself just, you know, just to have on my own personal page. I'm not trying to, to start a hunting show or nothing. I'm just putting my content up there, you know, to rewatch one day or, you know, let other people see. Sure. So where can we find you? What, what is your, uh, what is your YouTube channel and, and your Instagram? Yeah. How do we handle? watch? Uh, my YouTube, I believe, is just my name. It's Jacob Emery, and that's J-A-C-O-B. It's E-M-E-R-Y. Um, that's the best way to find my videos that I'm putting up. Currently, um, I might put a couple teasers on Instagram every now and then or something like that. Sure. Cool, man. That's exciting. Happy to happy to check that out. We'll, we'll, uh, I like that with all the smart TVs now, YouTube's just kind of like an app you can open so you can watch all the stuff on a big TV. That makes it that makes it like far better than just checking out on your phone or your computer. Oh yeah, here's the funny thing is, you know, when I don't know how old you guys are, but when I was little, you know, you watched guys hunt on TV and you're like, oh my god, they're the coolest things ever. And now this generation, like my kid, my little girl, you know, she watches kids on YouTube all the time. So when she sees that I'm on YouTube, she thinks I'm like the most famous person in the world. Keely, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can put you on YouTube in 30 minutes if you want. Keep her away from Blippy. You'll never forgive yourself. Oh, it'll uh, make you want to shout Blippy. Oh God. Yep. Yep. B L I P P I. Fucking Blippy. <laughs> or chip and potato. There's so many of them. There's too many. Too many. There he is. That's a yeah. Oh gosh, we're gonna go down another rabbit hole. Well, dude, that thank you for for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you you're hanging out with your family, so um, and you're you're working through the podcast too, publishing videos. So you know we appreciate you helping share some knowledge on how to access public land. I think uh, you definitely get the gears turning here on our end. 
For sure, man. And uh, I'm not, you know, I still have a lot to learn on it. And uh, I think everybody can take a little bit from somebody, you know. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. No calls on this episode. I think that'll change when we get into season here. I think we'll start to see more calls come through and stuff. But uh, that's totally okay. It's hard to navigate and, and manage all that. So I don't mind it too much. But yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll get this thing produced tonight. So, you know, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Hey everybody, this is Casey at eHunter.com. In case you missed it last week, I'll bring you a few headlines here and uh, be sure to just keep up to date with our content on the website and uh, other social outlets. So last week we covered the passing of the Great American Outdoors Act. This, This act secures funding for land and water conservation at at 900 million annually and will also enable the completion of of a maintenance backlog and facility improvements totaling over nine and a half billion over the next five years to be administered by the National Park Service, the Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Bureau of Land Management, and Bureau of Indian Education. Uh, This is actually a really big deal and a big win for the outdoors and conservation. Uh, Also covered last week, Nebraska reduced their mountain lion quota uh, to half of what it was in 2020. The 2021 quota will be half of the 2020 quota, bringing the total number of licenses for mountain lions in Nebraska down to just four for 2021. And Laramie County, Colorado received a grant over $800,000 from the Great Outdoors Colorado for uh, the Laramie Foothills Conservation Area. And this area conserves and protects habitat from Fort Collins to the Wyoming border. Uh, It's an ecological transition zone where uh, there's native shortgrass prairie meeting mahogany shrublands, um, critical habitat for antelope and other game species. And that's, that's good for this week. Um, just like I said, be sure to check out the website and we're actually looking to build the team. So if you're interested to get into some writing and content creation and learn about WordPress, you know, maybe just expand your skills and, and kind of get in a, get a foot in the door with, um, the hunting industry, so to speak, uh, message us on our social media outlets or, um, contact us through the website and we'd be happy to chat with you about it. All right, y'all. Take care. Hey, hey, everyone. Anthony Heller here with DeerVane. Hope you guys really enjoyed that public land access podcast. Uh, Water is definitely one of my favorite ways to access either, you know, canoe, kayak, or just crossing with waders. It's a great barrier of entry for people. Keeps a lot of people out. But another tip I got on board with that same kind of topic is when you park for public land hunting, I highly advise you not to park as close to your hunting spot as you can. What I mean by that is park in a designated lot, even if you can park closer and just pull off the road and then dive in, 
because if you just park off the side of the road, other hunters will recognize that that's where you are and you're parking there because it's easier and quicker for you to access a specific area rather than parking down the road and then just walking down the road and then breaking off into that piece of people are much less likely to understand where you're hunting and figure out your spots. I know for me personally, there's a few areas where I have uh, a road walk for about anywhere from 100 to 200 yards before I break off into the woods. Yes, I could just park on the side of the road, but then I also know people would recognize, people do recognize my vehicle every now and then, but also uh, people just know that I'm hunting in that general area. So I'd rather park in the parking lot and keep it a mystery as to where I am, especially if you're hunting in the morning, you know, no one will ever see you going in in the morning in the dark. And, or if you're hunting in the evening, just come, make sure you come out late so then you can, you know, come out late and no one will ever see you then either. All right. Hope that tip helps guys. That's a great tip, Anthony. Thank you so much for that. And uh, the tips that you provide every week, they're awesome and practical and we appreciate you. Uh, also thank you, Casey from eHunter for sharing the shot of the week and the headlines, uh, from last week from eHunter. We appreciate you kind of consolidating all that and giving us the headlines and if people want to learn more, they certainly can head on over to eHunter. Um, you know, if you haven't already checked out Deervane, please do that. And also, uh, head on over to eHunter. And if you are looking to become a published writer in the outdoor space, that'd be a great opportunity for you to check out what they have going on over there. Um, additionally, I realized <laughs> I forgot, I did say it's the OKS Hunter podcast studio, but I forgot to mention that as a result of that, you do get a discount on OKS Hunter gear. So if you go to okshunter.com, you can enter code W2H podcast and you'll save 10%. And if you are like us and you've made mistakes in the woods and uh, you like to hunt for meat more than trophies and memories and all of that good stuff, uh, definitely worth checking out. Tomorrow on the show on Wednesday, we're having a uh, an additional episode this week with Chris Ham, the founder and owner of HHA Sports. So that'll be a fun episode. If you're around tomorrow and you want to catch us live and you want to call in if you have questions for those guys, uh, you can talk to the man himself. So we'll be live at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time tomorrow, Wednesday. That'll be July 1st. Next week on the show, we're talking with Chelsea Wilkie. Uh, she is an outdoor blogger, um, DIY huntress, and she's out of Utah. She put down a really nice, um, looks like a mule, a mule deer after having babies and surgery, and she is a badass. So we're going to talk to her about what she's got going on over there in Utah. Um, then on, do, 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 I think it's going to be july 14th it'll just be greg and i we might have an episode for that one i'll have to double check uh if i have something out there for that the 21st we're talking with the outdoor medic uh shout to her and then the 28th we're talking with a friend dustin rifkin who is a very hardcore western hunter so that should be a fun source some good uh dialogue and then the fourth as we get into august we're bringing it back and talking with Kevin Vistason over at the Deer Hunter Podcast. So good lineup leading all the way into August. And uh, what else do I got here? Tactic Talk is up and running, so there'll be a new release every week. The memorable hunts are released every weekend, typically. And then come September, we're going to be doing the Rut Club Radio again. Uh, so that'll be awesome. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, yeah, the giveaway. Congrats to our giveaway winners. 
we did have six winners, so we won a tethered Mantis. I'm not, I'm sorry, a tethered Phantom. We had given away six Vector Custom Shop Arrows, three months of Backwoods Grind Coffee, some swag from uh, Venado, uh, some meat processing from Outdoor Addiction Taxidermy, and an OKS Hunter t-shirt. We're already talking to partners for the next giveaway for September. So if you want to learn more about that, just let us know. Or you can head on over to our Patreon page and subscribe there. And that's how you enter to win our giveaways. We use the money from the Patreon subscription to buy the stuff that we're giving away. So it's pretty cool. It's nice. You know, the more we get, the bigger the pool, the better the gifts, etc. So uh, that's what we got for everybody. Hope you have a great day and a great week. And for those that want to tune back in tomorrow, we'll talk to you soon.